Welcome to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. If you're ready for inspiration and tips to improve your life, hear what some of the fascinating minds of today have to say. Our hope is that you'll live your passion and inspire the world. And now, here is your host, Allison H. Larson. Welcome to Spotlight. So excited to have you joining us today. I've got two very special guests that do very different things, but you know, in, at the end of the day, what you're teaching is very similar. So, uh, so excited to have both of them on today. We're, we're really talking about where do you find that love? Where do you find that acceptance? How do you really embrace who you are and find happiness independent of looking outside of yourself? And um, I've got two two very, very special guests on today. We've got Hillary Taggart joining us uh, from Salt Lake City, Utah. Hello, Hillary. Are you there? Yes. Hi, Allison. Good morning. Hey, good morning. And then we have Sean, Sean Douglas joining us. Gosh, Sean, uh, you are back east. Remind me where you are again. Yeah, I'm in North Carolina. That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> like it's either Virginia, North Carolina. <laughs> uh, so, and you're joining us actually from a military base there, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, great. Well, good Good to have you both on. I, I want to, you know, I hate reading bios. I would like to give each of you an opportunity to brag about yourselves, your accomplishments, uh, what you've done. And Sean, let's start with you. Okay. Um, I'm an Air Force veteran. I've been serving since 2001, joined right after 9-11. I got a couple years left before a 20-year career, and then I exit. I've built three successful businesses while serving uh, in the Air Force. And I'm also a TEDx speaker, uh, a radio show host myself of Life Transformation Radio. And I'm also a TEDx speaker and a business positioning strategist. What I do is I provide a framework of success to entrepreneurs, speakers, and business owners that's easily implemented, which reduces their anxiety, stress, and depression that they feel about building businesses and how it affects their personal life. Love that. Absolutely love that. So uh, I would, I'd like to explore a little bit more about that. Are you, you know, you said you built three businesses while you were serving full-time in the mil- military. How did you do that? Yes. Uh, well, the number one rule of success is to schedule everything. Mm-hmm. And so you have to forecast out, like, this needs to be done by this time, this needs to be done. And the thing about the military is it's always regimented. And so if you can think of life as a regiment then there's no reason why you can't be successful. So what I did was I figured out what I loved doing at the time and how to make money from it. And then I put systems and strategies in place because there is no secret to success. There's only a system and a strategy. And so I put systems and strategy in place each time in order to gain the results that I wanted. Wow. So you you just said, hey, I love doing this. It's as simple as a system or a strategy. I've learned this from the military. If there's something I love to do, why not make a profession out of it? I just need to figure out the system or strategy to get me there. Exactly. That's amazing. Because everything that you do and everything that you're doing, somebody has already done and made money from. You just need to follow along in, in, the, in the, um, what do you call it, in the pathway, you know, like success leaves clues. Mm-hmm. So you just follow along in the pathway. Follow the breadcrumbs. Wow, I love that. Uh, so I want to get back to that a little bit later and, and talk more about that and how you found that uh, success uh, by the systems and strategies and how people can duplicate that. But here's, here's another question for you. So today's show is really about finding success and happiness from within, not having to rely mm-hmm. on other people to really feel like you belong or like you, like you matter. Right. Uh, what, are your, what are your secrets or strategies on that? Oh, you got to have acceptance in your life. You you'd mentioned it earlier about acceptance, and I, and I teach acceptance. You can't always choose the things that are going to happen to you. Even the most talented people go through hard times. You know, we're all human. The problem is that a lot of people choose not to accept these bad things that have happened and are, like, in denial or they just don't want to make it about them saying, I have the problem. It's always everybody else. It's always everybody else. They don't want to take responsibility for what is happening. Right. But the moment that you do that, that is the moment that separates you from the successful and not successful. Once you accept that, yes, this has happened. Yes, it might be partly my fault. You can always make changes to make sure that that doesn't happen again. But if you're always blaming everybody else, 
then it's going to keep happening to you over and over and over again, and you're always going to be stuck. So I want to I want to ask you one question about that, and then I, I want to go over to Hillary and introduce Hillary. But so I, I, I struggle with that a little bit because when I entered into the self development, self help world, I really got the out of this you know victim mode that a lot of us get into. Right, mm. things are happening to us. You know, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm stuck in this position in life. And I really hated that victim mode. So I decided, wow, I'm going to take everything that happens in my life. I'm going to say there's a reason why this is happening. What is my role that I played in it and how can I change it? But what ended up happening in my life is that I ended up uh, now taking responsibility for things that maybe I shouldn't take responsibility for. Uh, like if somebody was mistreating me, I'd say, oh, well, how is this my fault? How can I how can I change this? What can I do about this? And so actually, I kind of went over overboard the other way and it took actually I was visiting with a counselor and she said you have this a really um, awesome problem which is <laughs> you just make everything your fault even when it's not so what's the balance right. there between not being a victim taking responsibility but also making sure you're taking responsibility for your stuff and not somebody else's it's developing your emotional intelligence a lot of times People go into a confrontation, they go into a situation, they go into this moment, you know, and they do that. They're like, oh man, it's all my fault. Like how they treated me, I must've done something wrong. And, and they ended up playing the victim mentality over again in a different way. So it's having the emotional intelligence that you may have done nothing wrong. And it just may be that they're having a bad day or they're, um, you know, maybe the way that they were treated in the past or bringing it out on you and, you know, so it's just, if you have that emotional intelligence that the military calls it situational awareness, mm-hmm. if you have that situational awareness of how you treat people or how you approach every situation and something bad happens and you, you don't allow it to affect you as a person, but you just find meaning from that situation because you're the only mm-hmm. one that can apply meaning to anything that happens in your life anyways. Right. Right. So that's that's true. Emotional intelligence is all about applying meaning. I want to talk more about the situational awareness. Before we do that, I want to take a moment to introduce Dr. Hillary Taggart. We're going to hear more from Hillary later on the show. But Hillary, are you still there? Yes, yes, I'm here, Allison. Great. I would love for you to take a moment and just introduce yourself, brag a little bit, and uh, tell me tell me a little bit about what you've been up to and why. Okay, great. Um, so, yes, my name is Dr. Hillary Taggart. I am a nurse practitioner. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I, um, I have two businesses. One business is I am a cosmetic injector. I um, do Botox and fillers, and the other business is speaking and mentoring and helping women. And the second business kind of came about because of my first business. Being an injector um, has kind of given me a unique perspective into women's lives and some of the struggles and things that they deal with. And, of course, some of the women that would come to me for Botox and fillers, of course, sometimes um, without knowing it, maybe would be compensating a little bit for some void that they were feeling on the inside. So that really helped me see a need to help women recognize that infinite worth that they have, which is what helped me start my second business which has been really fun to kind of take and pair the two together to kind of help with the inner and the outer beauty with, of course, the focus um, being on the inner beauty. Hmm. I really like that a lot. And I think that there is a huge problem with that. Um, I see that all the time. I think, you know, even being a woman myself, I've gotten caught in that trap of, wow, if I'm just beautiful enough, you know, people will like me. Or if I just look a certain way or act a certain yep. way, I'll, I'll be worth it. You know, like my worth is tied to uh, somehow to what people think of me. So very interesting. Well, I'm eager to hear more about your story, and I know you've got some amazing experiences and tips that you're going to share a little bit later in the show. Uh, Sean, I want to come back to you now. I want to talk a little bit more about this situational awareness, because I think situational awareness is really important uh, to self-sustaining happiness. So can you give us some tips? How can somebody, I know you learned this in the military, don't give us any military secrets you aren't supposed to share, <laughs> but, but uh, can, you, can you give us some tips on situational awareness that would help us in our everyday life so that we can not be in a victim mode, but also be aware when something is somebody else's fault and uh, be able to release that or let go of that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so for those listening, if you've got teenagers or even like little kids, 
they say the craziest things at the most craziest moments. Yeah. Right? You're like, why would you say that? You know? And it's like, you should know what not to say. Well, you need to buy what you're selling. So sometimes it's inappropriate to say things. And, and us as an adult, like, we'll say something that we think is cute or funny or, or appropriate or whatever. And it turns out to be not. Hmm. Right? So having that situational awareness of when is it appropriate to say this one thing or do this one thing or, you know, but as a speaker, having situational awareness of what I'm saying and having the crowd like the head nods, like being aware of the head nods or being aware of the, of the body language is key, even in, even in conversation, especially in conversation. So Nodding my head to that. Mm-hmm. If you, yeah, like if you have enough love for yourself, if you have a lot of self-love, then you start to project that onto other people. You, you talk to them with respect. You talk to them with mm-hmm. love. And you can tell the ones that don't because they have a harsher tone or they do or say things that you normally wouldn't hear them say or do. Maybe they're having a bad day or, or what have you. So my tips for everybody is to just, again, be situationally aware, but to be situationally aware is take a moment, take a breath and say, if I said this, would this really be appropriate if the, if the roles were reversed? Wow. You know, so it's just taking that extra pause. I learned this as a speaker, like you have to pause to let things land because that would just blow through my content. And everybody was like, wow, that was super fast drinking from the fire hose. Mm-hmm. So now I've just learned that you need to pause. Is this going to land? Say it and then figure out the reactions of people and then go from there. So it might take you a little bit longer to deliver, but you still need to be aware of the things that you're saying and the mannerisms because our nonverbal say a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I agree with you. There's three three ways we communicate through what we're saying, how we're saying it, and then our body language, obviously, as we're saying it. But yep. I, so here here's a question. I, I don't mean to play devil's advocate here, but this is something that I've struggled with. So we hear the word vulnerable all the time. Well, you've got to get vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You've got to get real. You've got to get raw. And especially in this mentoring and coaching world that we're in today. I mean, uh, you know, I've got Brene's, Brene Brown's book, Braving the Wilderness, right here. Love her book. Been reading that. She talks about the power of vulnerability. One of the things I've struggled with, Sean, and would love to hear your opinion on this is, is, you know, I used to be a very closed person. I used to not like to share how I felt. And then I did a lot of self-work. And uh, I, I, I said, hey, I'm going to I'm just going to say what I feel and I'm going to be real and raw with people. But sometimes what ends up happening is I'm a very emotional person and I feel things and then I say things and it's almost like it's too much, even if they're good things for someone to hear. Is there some kind of way to filter that out? I mean, how do you how do you still be vulnerable and still be real, but yet be able to play off the reaction of other people? So there's a theme, there's a recurring theme, you know, and you're being vulnerable now. You're saying that, you know, I struggle with this or, well, here's one question because I know that people struggle with this or how do you, and a lot of your questions are about what others think. And what I've learned is that people live in the reality of what others think about them. We're so emotionally closed off because we don't want others to judge us about how we feel. We don't say certain things. We don't stand up and, and have a voice because we're afraid of what others may think or feel mm. about us. Yeah, yeah, that's And true. I'm the same way as you. I stand up, I say what I got to say, but I've learned some tact along the way. You know, like I used to just blurt it out and they're like, uh, yeah, you're like, again, <laughs> harsher tone, right? Yeah. So when I learned my emotional intelligence and I learned how to frame things in a way that creates a respectful environment. And that's, that's key for communication is, mm-hmm. is having respect for the relationship. And so you don't tell your spouse like, Hey, you look ugly in the sweater. <laughs> you know, you're that's like, true. babe, maybe you don't wear that. I'm not sure. You know, like you find ways to, to politely or having respect for the relationship. And a lot of people don't. And so I say, being vulnerable is awesome. Being raw and real and, and super emotional, like that's awesome. It, live your brand. Yeah. Be you. Be the realest, rawest you that you can. And, and those who appreciate you will appreciate you because of that. 
Love it. And those that don't aren't your audience anyway, so it doesn't matter what they think. I don't care what anybody thinks, unless you're like my spouse or my kids or like, I just don't because if I lived in the reality of what other people thought about me, I wouldn't be as successful as I am now. I love it. True or false? Uh, true friends call each other out on their crap. Oh, true. 100,000 times percent true. And uh, okay, I love that. Okay, I've got a quote for you. I want to hear your reaction to this quote. This is actually, okay. it's interesting. I, I brought, I'll, I'll hold it up for my Facebook Live viewers for those listening on the radio. I'll explain to you, my, my great aunt just passed away. And when I was going through her stuff, it was time for her to go, um, you know, and I got to see her and be with her a lot. I'd given her a, my book that I wrote a while ago. I, I didn't even think she had good enough eyesight to read, but when I was going through her stuff, I found my book, and it had obviously been read over and over and over again. She had dog-eared all these pages. And so I was going through that last wow. night and and, um, and really appreciating things, and I found some good quotes in my own book. I think sometimes we write things. I wrote this book, uh, published it about two and a half years ago, and haven't picked it up in at least a year. And I'm looking through, and I'm like, wow, I had some great advice. So, um Rediscovering and refining my, my own words. But there's a quote in here from Dow, Dale Carnegie. I quoted Dale Carnegie in here, and I want to hear your thoughts on this quote. And then I'd love for you to talk about how people can get a hold of you. Here's the quote, and okay. I'd, I'd like to just hear your thoughts on it. It isn't what you have or who you are or where you are or what you are doing that makes you happy or unhappy. It is what you think about. Oh, 100%. That speaks to gratitude. Oh, Definitely. I'm a big proponent of cultivating an attitude of gratitude. A lot of times, you know, given a little or given a lot, I know people who have a lot and they're still like unhappy. They're still ungrateful. So I absolutely love the quote. Um, it's not about where you are or what you're doing, but it's the gratitude in that moment that makes you happy. That's where the happiness comes from. I love is, that. Is it, wait, wait, pa- pause right and there. Being grateful and thankful. Pause right there because I think that's worth saying. It's gratitude in the moment. That's that's powerful, yeah. right there. In the moment, I think that's key because we can have gratitude. We can say, "Oh, I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that something's going to happen, or that this happened in the past, or what." But finding gratitude in the moment, I love that. I just wanted to to reiterate yep. that and let that sink in. So Sean, uh, Sean Douglas joining us from North Carolina. I know you got your active military duty. You actually have to go because you got called in. Um, <laughs> how can people get a hold of you? If there's somebody listening to the show, yes. they said, wow, this really resonates with me. How can they find your TED Talks? How can they find out more about you? Yeah, 100%. So uh, my website is www.thesuccesscorps.com thesuccesscore.com. That's my website. You can join my email list, um, watch my TED Talk videos, watch any talk, book me to speak on there. Um, you can also listen to my radio show, Life Transformation Radio. There's a little player um, on there as well. And I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm all over Facebook and LinkedIn. And my group on Facebook is called The Success Core. Um, so yeah, I'd love to have a chat with you. Love to talk and talk to you and meet new people. And, um, and that's it. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you for your words about situational awareness, EQ, and how to find true happiness. Make sure and check Sean out when we come back more with Dr. Hillary Taggart. I'm Allison H. Larson, and you're listening to Spotlight. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Listen for In the Limelight with Clarissa Burt, international media celebrity, supermodel, and renowned beauty and lifestyle expert, as well as founder and CEO of Envelop Her, multimedia platform for women, and sought-after inspirational speaker on women's issues. You'll connect with Clarissa's super influencer, celebrity friends, and experts as they speak about health, wealth, beauty, lifestyle, business, the love of giving, and the love of living a model life. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now. To showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event, visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Welcome back to Spotlight. Really excited to have Dr. Hillary Taggart joining us from Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, Dr. Hillary Taggart, if you are just joining us, <laughs> worked at a top med spa for years, and now she is helping women find beauty from within. So, uh, Hillary, are you there? Yes, I am. Well, I'd love to hear your story because it's very interesting. You do injections. You work with, with women, um, obviously, to help with the outer beauty. And now you've kind of rolled over into helping them with some of the inner beauty. But how did you get into that? Did you just wake up one day and say, you know, I want to I want to do Botox? I mean, what, what, how, did, how did that whole process come about for you? So that's a great question, Allison. It's, um, it's a very powerful story for me. I was I just graduated um, from my doctorate program and was trying to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. I was pregnant. I was 17 weeks pregnant, went in to find out the gender of my baby. And when I did, I um, got some different news that I was expecting. They told me that my daughter had what's called a condition called a gynomphalocele. Mm. A gynomphalocele is where the intestines are born on the outside of the body. And typically with this condition, about 70% of the time, the children have significant genetic defects. And sometimes it's not even compatible with life. Um, so they offered the possibility of terminating the pregnancy um, or said, you know, we can do some genetic testing and we'll see how she goes. Some babies survive, some don't. And so yeah. with such a huge blow to um, some, ex- you know, the excitement of pregnancy, I realized that with working, I needed to find something that would be part-time and something that would be... Um, make a decent enough money to make it worth my time mm-hmm. so that I could stay home and take care of a potentially uh, disabled child. So that's kind of what got me into the aesthetic realm because of the nature of being able to do it so part-time. So it's more of the Side practicality note, than anything at the time. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, the good news about this is obviously that's a sad story, so I don't want to leave it there because it has the most wonderful ending to it. Um, My daughter was born and ended up having, um, they told her she'd be in the hospital for three to five days or three, 
four to six months requiring three to five surgeries. And the day she was born, she was checked out and had surgery the day after, and she went home 10 days later on Valentine's Day. So she is my little miracle girl. She's healthy. She has no problems at all from it. So I'm so grateful for that little miracle that's occurred in my life. But then that kind of has spurred me on even more because of what she went through. She has a scar on her belly and knowing as a woman, as a female, how, um, how beauty plays a really important role in women. I knew that growing up, my daughter would potentially be teased. In fact, she already has been teased a little bit and people ask why she doesn't have a normal belly button. And so it's really important to me as not only a mother, but then also as a business owner and somebody that sees all these women that come in for clients to really help women understand that they are not their bodies. They are not their appearance. And if they have scars like my daughter or whether it's just the aging process that bothers them, they don't have to tie the worth into their appearance. Yeah, I I really uh, appreciate that. I think that that's that's key. Now, as you see these women, um, and and by the way, I'm so glad things worked out with your daughter. I had a, I have a nephew that was born uh, with the same with the same. Um, I don't even know what you call it. Problem <laughs> is it it's condition? Condition. Uh-huh. Thank you. His uh, his his whole intestines were on the outside of his stomach, and luckily he, he has a pretty happy ending too. But I remember they had to make a belly button for him, and and just yep. you know he has a big scar, so I'm familiar with that. Well, I working now in the med spa. It's interesting because we've had past conversations, and what was so interesting to yeah. me, you've said in the past that people would come in there looking. You know, with the idea of I'll be happy if I look younger. Mm-hmm. I'll be happy when, you know, I don't have as many wrinkles on my forehead. And what you found was that that wasn't true. If they weren't happy coming in, no matter what procedure you did, they weren't happy going out. And so yeah. noticing this problem, you said, hey, I've got to do something, right? And you started actually teaching women how to find happiness from within. Is that accurate? Yes. Absolutely. So when did you start noticing this problem and when did you say, okay, I've got to do something different about this? So, you know, every, there were a couple experiences that I had that one experience that really hit me and maybe some of the listeners can relate if, um, you know, if I had a friend that um, came to me and she wanted to get some things done and I mm-hmm. said, you know what, you really, you need to meet with one of my estheticians on this. So I sent her in to meet with one of my estheticians to address her concerns. So I called her afterwards and said, hey, how'd the appointment go? And she goes, you know, it went well, but she said, when I was sitting in your lobby waiting, um, I was looking at some of the brochures and pamphlets of some of the things that you offered and I looked down and I saw um, one of the procedures you offer and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, am I not normal? Do I need this? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it was about that, Allison, but it really stuck into my head. And this is a friend of mine who's a very confident, beautiful woman. So for her to question whether she was quote-unquote normal, for her to question whether or not she needed something like that, it really made me, it was just like an epiphany. And it made me realize what is it that I do or are there things that I do or advertise that make women feel less than? And maybe some of the listeners have had that example where you're flipping through a magazine or watching TV or hear something come on the radio, some type of advertisement for, hey, buy this and you'll look sexier, you'll be thinner, you'll lose weight, your hair will be amazing, whatever it is that the, you know, the company is trying to sell you. The idea that they kind of put behind it, the emotional idea is this will make you happy. Yeah. And I think that's really false. Well, I even like yes, the beer commercials, some- you know, you see these beer commercials and there's these, you know, skinny guys with six packs drinking these, you know, yeah. I mean like six pack abs drinking these beers and these gorgeous women. And it's like the whole message is, hey, uh-huh. drink beer. It's going to make you happy. I mean, perfume commercials. Like, look at those perfume commercials. Yep. Like, you get these celebrities. They're so beautiful. Like the idea is, well, if only you had this perfume, you're going to feel like this. You're going to look like this. But that's not necessarily true. Um, so very, very interesting. I love 
I love the work that you're doing. So you started seeing this problem when did you start counseling them? Did you how did you how did you come up with with steps that would help them find their inner beauty and feel really find that lasting happiness? So I I realized that as I was seeing these clients, you know, dozens of women a day, that so many of them, not all of them, but so many of them would come in as as I opened myself up to help them in that so that that 20, 30 minutes that they're in the room with me, I made it a point to ask really how they're doing or when they would bring up things. I'm kind of a minimalist injector, so I tell my clients no a lot. They'll say, well, oh, this bugs me. I'll say, you don't need that. That's fine. Just don't let it bother you. So as I would sit there and talk to my clients and they would open up to me about the difficulties that they were going through in life or um, kind of get down to that, how they were feeling less than or not pretty enough with the aging process or having children and how that changes our bodies, I, I realized the need. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I came up with and I said, you know what, I need to help these women on a deeper level than what I'm doing. And so I came up with a process that I could help women recognize it. Because the first step to anything is awareness, right? right? So a lot of women, when they come in, they don't think, I feel bad about myself. I'm lacking self-worth. I need to go get Botox. And maybe that'll, you know, I'm compensating with Botox. So a lot of it is the first step is recognizing and having them become aware um, that that when sometimes we do those things, we are seeking to fill a void. Not always, but to some degree, and more oftentimes than not, we're doing it to fill a void of maybe not accepting who we are. So how do you, how do you learn how to accept who you are? How do you get to that point um, where you like yourself? How do you fall in love with yourself again? Um, one of the things that I've, I've seen, I'll, I'll read you. Here's, here's, my, here's my quote for that. I, I thought this was good. This is from actually from The Lion King. Um, do you remember that part when, when Simba is out and he sees his father in the stars? And his father says to him, you've uh-huh. forgotten who you are. Look inside yourself. You are more than what you have become. You are more than what yeah. you have become. Remember. And I think so often we forget who we truly are. What, what, what happens? What's the problem? What causes us to forget our value and our worth and to feel like we have to look a certain way or feel a certain way or be a certain way? Is it all that sure, advertising? Sure. I have, I, what is it? Yeah, I have to tell you, though, I have to address the Lion King. I love that you brought that quote up from Lion King. Um, Lion King has a really special meaning in our family. Actually, I have a brother who um, has always refers back to that exactly exact same thing. And he struggled a lot to kind of understand his self-worth. And he's an amazing guy. And I see this so much, Allison, in him, of people like my brother who are incredible incredible people with gifts and talents. And yeah, they have their shortcomings as we all do. And this is the key, I think, to remembering. I think when we get in this world and we grow up, we allow either other people's perceptions or our quote-unquote failures to overshadow the many wonderful things about us. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, a big key. And it, as it says, remember, we don't have to learn that we have worth we don't have to learn to love ourselves per se we just have to remember that we have this innate incredible worth this value in us as children of god it is immediate anytime we come any person that comes to earth whether you live in india or africa or in germany or peru or the u.s we all have the exact same worth as human beings. And if we all could recognize that and remember that and stay in that moment of stillness, of feeling that, so many concerns and issues and depression and anxiety that we struggle with would dissipate if we could just remember that key thing. That's, uh, yeah, that's really, really powerful. It was interesting. I was listening to an interview between Oprah and Cindy Crawford on my way to the radio station today, and Cindy Crawford said something very interesting. She said, most of my success is due to the fact that I have learned to separate uh, the fact that people see me one way and they don't really know who I am. And she's like, I am Cindy Crawford. And it was to me, that was so impactful and so powerful because what she was saying was people didn't make her who she was. 
she was Cindy Crawford. <laughs> and people saw her the, mm-hmm. whatever way they wanted to, but that did not change who she was. Okay, so here's a question for you, Hillary. I want to I pose this question, then I want to get a little bit into your seven-step program. So this is a really mm-hmm. powerful question I heard from Oprah Winfrey, and I think it's a good question. It's something that in the past I've done better at uh, asking myself, but I want to ask you this question. Hillary, what would you look like if you saw yourself through the eyes of God? I love that you asked that question. I actually bring that question up in my retreats as well, because I think it's a really powerful question. The thing is, Allison, is we allow we allow so much in life to cloud us. I mean, think about it. From the moment that we wake up, we are, you know, dashing, getting ready because we're tired. We stayed up too late. We've got, you know, some of us have kids we have to feed, get off to school, get to work, do all the things that are required on a daily basis. Our lives have become so busy that we forget. And like you say, with that simple statement, if we could look at ourselves through the eyes of God and the and, and for some people, I mean, that's so, I think for some people, a relationship with God and even myself, who I feel like I have a really great relationship with God and have leaned on Him through many times in my life, it's still the concept of God. Sometimes it's hard to understand and get. So although I can't always understand what is it like to look at myself through God's eyes as, as my Father, as my Creator, I can understand what it's like to look at my children as their mother and their creator who carried them. And when I can look at that and think about the love that I have for my children, which is immense, and despite them, you know, driving me nuts at times, because that's what parenthood is about, right? But in the moments of stillness, when I think about how much I love my children despite their misbehaving or whatever, I can only imagine and take that and put that into the idea of God, a perfect being, seeing me and loving me who I am, and how incredible that must be. It's something that I actually really can't even fathom, because it's so infinite. Well, and I think about you describing your daughter and her scar at the beginning of the show, and I think you see your daughter, and you see her scar, and that imperfection is part of her beauty, is part of who she Mm -hmm. is and part of her journey. And I think sometimes we view our imperfections as mistakes. And like you were talking about with your brother, sometimes I think as humans, we only see people's mistakes or we feel like people see us for our mistakes and for not who we are. And, um, and I, I just strive for years. My prayer was, you know, God, please help me to see your children like you see them. And I think yeah. all of us need to have that prayer, God, let me see myself like you see me. Let me yeah. see I, my imperfections as part of my perfect beauty and my perfect creation that you have made. I once had an incredible experience. I was living in Peru at the time and surrounded by some incredible women. And I... um was able to say a prayer in, in front of these women. And I can't describe it, Allison, but when I think back on that moment, it's the closest that I've come to really understanding God's love for His children. I had, as I stood up to say a prayer to thank Heavenly Father for the, the moments that we had shared, I felt this overwhelming sense of love. I mean, I really felt like God's Spirit came over me, and I felt the love that He had for them. And I can't describe it other than it was the most incre- truly one of the most incredible spiritual experiences I've ever had because of the love. And I look back on that and I think if I could feel that for, if, you know, here I am in Peru in this little town, 10,000 feet in the mountains, and God knows each of those women intimately and loves them. And if he knows it there, he knows it everywhere. I'm always in awe whenever I I was in New York last week. And you walk around and you see these thousands of people. And and again, I think the concept of God knowing each of us individually is hard to understand and grasp because we have such finite minds. But yet, you and I have both had undeniable experiences that um, we can't deny that God's love is great for all of us because of the innate worth that we have. And if nothing else, for being God's children, for being creation, we have this incredible worth. And 
my hope and journey is to help more women recognize that so they can experience greater peace and joy in their lives. I love that. I had a similar experience when I was in India speaking at a women's economic forum. And you know how when you're in a religious place or when you're in a spiritual place, you feel that mm-hmm. high vibrational frequency. Well, one yeah. of the highest vibrational yeah. frequencies I've ever felt in a place was at a, the women's economic forum in New Delhi, India. And I was in a room, a ballroom full of women. And I looked around and these women were all different shapes and sizes. They were from all different parts of the world, all different nationalities, colors, uh, you know, languages, everything. But they were all there for the same purpose, to grow and to learn and to make the world a better place. And in that moment, I just felt this perfect love for each of them. And it was amazing. Hillary, I want to get into some steps that you take because you have some pretty powerful, you have seven powerful steps that you give to people to help them really find that happiness and that love from within so that they can live in a state of action instead of reaction so they can let their light shine for the world. Um, I know that you probably can't share all seven steps with us <laughs> today on the show, <laughs> but could we could we get into two or three of these and, and talk about a couple of the things that you teach women to do that really transform and move the needle and change their perception, their value of themselves, so they go from waking up in the morning feeling like they aren't good enough to waking up in the morning feeling like they are worth something? Yeah, so like I said, the first one for sure is understanding that infinite worth and self-esteem are not are not the same they're they're different and that's that's that recognizing that infinite worth understanding what it is so with that self-esteem self-love those are more things that you choose and I think self-love and self-esteem obviously are are very important but self-worth is different in the aspect that it's innate it's it's unconditional, it's unchangeable, it cannot be diminished. Like you said, no matter your socioeconomic situation with those women in India, no matter your size, shape, where you're born, ethnicity, color, your worth as a human being is infinite. So I think the most important thing is for people to understand that concept. And it's really, it seems simple, but every time I teach this to women, I understand it on a deeper level. And and that's probably the most important aspect. The second one... Well, so, so um, often, I just wanted to comment on that. So okay. often, I see people and hear people, they feel like they have to prove themselves worthy. Well, I have to... I have to and, and somebody called me out on this the other day. They said, Allison, you know, do you feel like you have to serve in order to be loved? Do you feel like your worth is based on what you can do for somebody? I said, absolutely. And that mm-hmm. was a false belief yeah. that I had been gotten trapped into. And I remember my friend yeah. looked at me in the face and he said, you are good enough just the way you are. You are worthy of love and you deserve to be loved just the way you are. You don't have to earn my love or anybody else's love. And I just, it just hit me like, wow, that that is powerful. How many of us are think, well, gosh, they won't love me if I don't serve them. I'm not worth anything if I don't bring value to somebody else's life. And so we get caught in this trap where we feel like we're serving and serving and serving and never enough. We're waiting for that reaction. We're waiting for that, oh, good job, or I appreciate you, or you're so amazing. And and when we get that, then we feel like we're enough. Well, guess what? You should do nice things. That's great. But do them because you want to, because you our love, not be, to earn somebody else's love. So that's my, I'm going to get off my soapbox now. What's your second step? I, I love that soapbox. Um, <laughs> that soapbox <laughs> pertains very well to uh, someone that I care deeply for and is listening to this. So I think that's very poignant that you brought that up. The second one is that our worth is not attached to our appearance, our achievements, or the roles that we have in our life. And that's really important because I think a lot of people, we do that. We, you know, especially in the U.S., uh, we have a really strong culture around beauty and women and Mm -hmm. placing more value on, um, and I say value, you know, quote unquote, um, on, on women that are what we consider subjectively beautiful. You know, in the modeling industry, I love, you know, the Dove campaign that they're bringing about. And and other people are following suit of including more women in. I have to tell you, 
Instagram, uh, Instagram, I call it braggagram. I have a lot of quote unquote Instagram influencers that mm-hmm. come in and see me. And yes, they're beautiful women, but the women that come in that are, and not to say the influencers aren't, let me be cautious on this because I don't want to downplay anything, but people that strive to portray a certain image that may not be true, to me, there's greater beauty and authenticity. So the yeah. women of, I'm thinking of a neighbor. I have this incredible neighbor who's this mom of five children. She has two twins in there. She doesn't do Botox and fillers and things like that. She is the most amazing, capable woman. And she is beautiful. And I've talked to her before about, you know, her her scars and mm-hmm. from her twins and the things that she experienced. But she just accepts it. And she looks at it and says, you know what, these scars or whatever, this is because I brought two beautiful twins into the world. Yeah. And so I think that's a really important lesson with the appearance. With the achievements, I'll tell you, with me personally, I really have been a driven by achievement type of person to the point that the day that I received my doctorate, I kid you not, but I looked, I kind of sat there for a second, about 20 minutes after I got my diploma, and I thought, huh, now what? Because I was in so much of a rat race of trying to prove my worth by achievement. So then yeah. the next thing was, you know, how much money you can make. And I think a lot of us, consciously or unconsciously, do the same. Well, when I get to that next position, well, when I make that next figure mark yeah I'll be happy when I'll be worth it when I always tell people I said change that when to end I'm happy end I want to make (laughs) you know two hundred thousand dollars a year I'm happy end so yeah very very interesting you know I I have a couple things to say about that so interesting I I did some modeling um Oh gosh, it was about seven years ago, and I'm I'm just I'm five ten. I'm 120 pounds. I mean that's that's how I'm built, and it's very interesting because I had a lot of people say, "Oh wow, you just feel so gorgeous and so beautiful." I did not, and I had to I had to quit doing it because I would look at those pictures and I would see every single flaw, everything wrong with me. Yeah, I did not enjoy it at all, and um, it was and that was within me. You know, that was my problem. That's when I realized I, you know, just in my past uh, to get totally open and real with you I I struggle with body dysmorphia for years and um, I think that's a real problem with social media by the way now but but uh, for years I yeah. couldn't look at myself naked in the mirror uh, I didn't ever want the lights on <laughs> I was being intimate I just I did not like my body I could see every single flaw every single thing wrong I still struggle with that I still struggle with looking at a picture of myself and only being able to see the flaws instead of the beauties in myself and I've come a long way uh, you know but but that's you know that's a real struggle to be able to do that and it took actually someone that said I want you to look at yourself in the mirror I want you to stare yourself in the eyes for five minutes a day and I want you to work up to the point where you feel nothing but love for yourself do you know how hard that is when you don't like how you look, yeah. when you feel like you are looking at every single flaw? But I did it. It took me about two or three months. And after that, I was able just to start loving my body. started with my eyes. And then I started figuring out, you know, how can I love my legs? How can I love my stomach? How can I love my chest? How can I, you know, and... Um, and it was it was pretty powerful in the end, but uh, I think a lot of people struggle with that. And, and some people will look at me and say, oh, you're so beautiful. I women that come up and say, oh, I hate you because you're so skinny. Had a lady at an event the other day come up to me and said, well, when are you going to quit throwing up? And um, to me, that was so offensive. <laughs> I thought, well, and, and I told the lady that she's she's pretty famous, the one that came up to me and said, I hate you because you're so skinny. And I just told her, I looked her in the eyes and I said, hey, I, I don't like that because you don't know me. And she apologized and she, um, we're yeah. great friends today, but. But you never know what somebody else is feeling about themselves. And they may look beautiful and they may fit that Mm -hmm. model view, but you'd never know what's going on inside of that person. Mm -hmm. And you uh, just, I I guess, again, I'm on a soapbox here, but just remember that everybody has their own struggles and their own body issues. and, And to be kind and just love people where they're at, no matter what shape or size they are. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. We, uh, I, do we, I think we have time for one more tip, Hillary. So I'd love to hear what's one more tip. I love these tips. So one more, one more tip, and this, you kind of brought this up, but I kind of call it uh, the little T truths that are false. Um, 
And little T, as in literally little, uh, not capitalized T, truth, because they're the false limiting beliefs that we put on ourselves. Mm-hmm. These are really important to recognize if you're wanting to understand your worth, because oftentimes when we get upset or we're feeling down on ourselves or spiral out of control emotionally, it's because we allow the false limiting beliefs, the little T truth, to come up in our lives. So one, um, I'll share quickly with you that I've struggled with my whole life, um, or not my whole life, but was worsened is um, is that I that I, I I'm not enough, and I think that's a common one. We might articulate yeah. it in different ways, but the way that mine came about is. Um, my my father uh, took his life 15 years ago, and he suffered chronic pain for a while, and he took his life on his birthday. I was the only one that was able to get a hold of him on his birthday, and I called him saying him happy birthday, and he said he'd call me back, and he never did. When I learned the next day that he had taken his life, I felt that if I had been worth more, if I had been a better daughter, if I had been enough, that he wouldn't have taken his life. Wow. And I know how irrational and how silly that sounds now. But that's the thing. You and Sean earlier were talking about, you know, how we need to take accountability. And you talked about how we also need to realize when it's not our fault, right? Mm-hmm. And that's some of the key things. There are things that happen in our lives that trigger us that sometimes we get these false limiting beliefs that stick with us. I am not enough. I'm not worthy. I'm a failure. I um, made too many mistakes. Um, you know, I'm not pretty enough. I'm ugly. I'm whatever it is. And realize those limiting beliefs are false. And we can't completely get rid of them, right? I mean, they're always going to be there, but instead of allowing them to drive our train in life, to control our lives, we want to get them to the back. Wow. We want to move them to the back of our train in our life so they're no longer controlling. And when they do pop up and that pathway kind of comes up and we want to go down that pathway of woe is me, I'm not enough, I'm a failure, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, whatever it is, we acknowledge it, we say, yep, I have believed that in the past, but I'm replacing that false belief and creating new beliefs and recognizing your worth so that you can focus on that rather than the little truths that we tell ourselves in life. Wonderful tips, wonderful advice. Dr. Hillary Taggart, it's been such a privilege to have you on the show today. Uh, we got to wrap up, but just very, very briefly, how can people get a hold of you? Yes, I'd love to. If, any, if my message resonates with anybody, I'd love to help you. You can follow me on Instagram, which is at Dr. Hillary T, and that's just D-R-H-I-L-L-A-R-Y-T. Or you can also visit my website at famedrhillarytea.com. drhillarytea.com. Thank you so much, Hillary, for joining us today. Thank you for listening. And until next week when we have more guests that have transformed their lives and are working to transform the lives of others. I'm Allison H. Larson, and you've been listening to Spotlight. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show, can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go make a difference and be sure to tune in again for the next show.